Welcome to As We Live, a podcast aimed at helping you connect to the living God. Today is going to be a podcast again uh, here by Straight Paths Foundation, and this is Steve Stutzman. It's going to be a little bit of a different podcast. It's more of a teaching thing. There's going to be some question at the end, and eventually uh, will probably be turned into a series But the one that I want to look at today is the idea of body, soul, and spirit. The biblical notion that you as a person are a body, soul, and spirit, all operating in one piece. So I'm going to start out with a scripture in Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and so on. It seems to me like right from the very beginning, the Father God of heaven, speaking to the Son by the Spirit, wanted to make an impression that there is multiple in the Godhead. Not that there's a whole bunch of gods, but he said, let us. And from anything that I can find in studying, It is definitely a plural word. The Spirit speaking. The the Bible talks about the Spirit speaking expressly in 1 Timothy 4.1 that people are going to be given to doctrines of devils and so on. When there is a speaking going on, it is the Spirit speaking. And uh, I'm only bringing that up because it's going to be important later on. Now, there's a lot of places that we can go in the Old Testament to look at the notion and the idea, the concept of body, soul, and spirit. We're going to come back to some of those later, but I want to go right now to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And the God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, that your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. When the writer... Paul there begins to talk about the whole. He talks about body, soul, and spirit. Or in this case, spirit, soul, and body, because he's going more in an order of importance. The word Trinity never appears in Scripture and in reference to God, but it is something that we understand as a God who is three in one and who said, I'm going to make man in our image. So man also ends up as a three-in-one. On the outside, there's a body. In the center, there is a soul consciousness. And in the middle of that, there is a spirit that connects us to God. Now, early on in the saga of man and God, in the Garden of Eden, there is this... um, story where God tells the man and the woman, in the day you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. Well, we all know the story how Eve took of the fruit, ate, gave to Adam, he ate, and they died. Now, they did not fall over on the ground, but they died which should give us some pause because we now have to look and recognize that there is something going more 
something more going on in the whole consciousness of die than maybe we are accustomed to thinking about. So we have this whole idea that die means separation. And we'll go into some more of this in other segments, but if you go to the, if you fast forward now into the life of Jesus, you will find him talking about it in opposite terms where he says, I am the life. I am the resurrection and the life, which is the opposite of death. So Jesus was there to make a connection or to rebuild a connection that was broken in the spirit um, uh, through, through disobedience and sin on the earth. In John 6, 33, Jesus said, It is the spirit that quickeneth. I realize that a lot of people have trouble getting a hold of this notion, and I suppose that the, the Jews to some degree did too because they kind of had a consciousness uh, somewhat of man being one being, and it was a little bit hard for them sometimes to wrap their mind around the ideas that Jesus was giving. And I want to go right now to... Uh, um, John chapter 3, where Jesus, we have the, the whole scripture there of John three sixteen, And I'm going to look at a couple of verses there because of what he's saying. In John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, later on, he talks about entering, but here he says he can't see it. Nicodemus's immediate response was physical. Jesus is talking spirit. Nicodemus goes straight to body and says, am I supposed to enter back into my mother again? And so Jesus goes and talks about this some more, and he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. Body is body. That which is born of spirit is spirit. And then, then he, he a little bit later he says to him in, in verse 10, are you a master of Israel and you don't understand this? Really fascinating statement in John three thirteen, where he says, No man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Jesus, standing on the earth, looking at another man, making a statement that I am in heaven. The, a lot of these things really cannot be understood well if we do not understand or comprehend the whole idea of body and soul and spirit. It is a very, very important concept. I do not think we can comprehend salvation as it is commonly understood or as it is presented in the New Testament. We, it does not make sense. We cannot get it to make sense if we do not understand the notion of body, soul, and spirit. Further, I don't think there's any way to really help other people in this world if we don't get a hold of this concept. I'm going to take a little bit of a deviation here. In Romans 15.4, the Bible says that the things that were written aforetime were written for our learning. And I want to go back and just take a short look 
at the tabernacle, which is probably one of the first places where this whole concept really began to make sense to me. In Exodus 25, 40, and in the New Testament in Hebrews 8, 5, the Bible makes reference to the fact that God specifically told Moses, you make sure that you build that tabernacle exactly according to the pattern that I showed you in the mount. Now, there's a number of reasons for that because the tabernacle reflected quite a number of different things that the tabernacle actually represented in our world. But one of them is the human being. There was an outer court. There was an outer fence around the whole perimeter of the, of the tabernacle. That outer court where the sacrifices were offered is, correlates to our body. Then there was a holy place where the priests would go in and minister all the time. And some other people could enter in there too, but it, it was a holy place that was the, the, uh, where the table of showbread, and I won't go into all that, but there was a holy place inside the building, the, the structure itself of the tabernacle. And then behind that was the holy of holies, separated by a massive curtain, and that's where the mercy seat was. The outer court represents your body. The inner place, the holy place, represents your soul. And the holy of holies represents your spirit. And every item, every element in there has a direct correlation to how we are made today. We'll, go, we'll ask some questions about that at the end. The thing is, the whole idea is pretty clear in Scripture. I actually do not claim to be some kind of a profound or educated Bible student. But we have arrived at a place in time in our American world, in our Western world, where we are obsessed with the mind. We want to educate our mind we send our preachers off to cemetery, I mean seminary, to educate their mind. We are fascinated with what our mind can comprehend and what our mind can do. Now, I am definitely not against education, and I'm not against the human mind at all, or what we can understand. But the mind, at the end of the day, is a function and an element of the soul. And what we're really trying to find is reality in the spirit. The Christian life is not so much about trying to teach the body to obey the soul. It is about teaching the soul to obey the spirit. The Christian life is not so much about trying to get the body to obey the soul as it is trying to get the soul to come into subjection to the spirit of the living God who dwells within us, in our spirit. I'm not sure how we got so fascinated and focused on the human mind and on its education. The Hebrew, even though they had a more... Um, 
one unit type of an idea still had much more of a consciousness of a third dimension and of spirit than we do today. Jesus, you know, told the people one time when he was talking, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Now, when when the Bible talks about this and, and when God talks about the idea, and we're going to go back to the New Testament, look at some of these scriptures. When God talks about the idea of body and soul and spirit, there is never any confusion. I have gone into a lot of different places where people are discussing this and forums and studies and so on and went back and looked at scriptures where they say the words are used are crossed over between each other. And I can't find a shred of reality in any of it. I would be happy to have somebody point some out to me, but I have not been able to find it. It is clearly divided in Scripture. There is no confusion. And I'll just give you one example. Whenever the Bible talks about something that is going on in our spirit, it talks about an event. When it talks about something that is going on in our soul, it talks about it as a process. For example, Jesus said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give. Bang. There is a snap. It, it is a, it's done. One time. It's an event. I will give you rest. Next verse. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. So the one that is given to spirit is an instant event, and the one that is given to soul is in process. That's the way scripture refers to it. And by the way, when it talks about the body, it will refer to it as our earthly tabernacle or our mortality. It is something that is a tent that we live in here. And when we are done with the tent, the tabernacle, it is disposed of and we get a new one. For some reason, we begin to identify ourselves primarily by our tabernacle. You know, my tabernacle is five foot ten, or my tabernacle is female, or my tabernacle is male, or my tabernacle is black, or my tabernacle is Indian. And we identify ourselves by that when, in fact, it's just a tabernacle. Don't get too excited about it. You know, don't get too attached to it because it's going to die. It's going to stay here on the earth. It's not the primary thing that God is focusing on. He's much more concerned about your soul, like Jesus said, fear God who is able to cast both body and soul into hell. So there's no confusion in scripture, in fact, I want to read. I want to read a verse here again um, in Hebrews about this because I think that it's very important, and I don't think that people are paying attention to it. Hebrews four twelve, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I don't know how many uh, different meanings and, 
you know, theological gymnastics people have put on that verse to make it say different things. But in a very simple, straightforward sort of a way, it says that the two-edged sword pierces between and divides soul and spirit. And he's talking about the Word of God. So I'm going to make a statement here, and I'm I'm willing to hear what people say if they want to uh, give other comments or whatever I'm listening. If a belief system does not divide clearly between soul and spirit, it is probably not of the Word of God. I'm going to repeat that. If a belief system does not divide clearly between soul and spirit, it is probably not of the Word of God. Because the Bible says that the Word of God divides between soul and spirit. In 1 Corinthians 6.20, Paul says, You're bought with a price... Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Your body as a tabernacle, if you're born again, belongs to God. It's his temple. Your spirit is his spirit. If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Romans chapter 8. So the spirit within you belongs to God, and your body belongs to God. But do you notice what he does not say? He does not say the soul belongs to God. That's yours. And that's the way that the Bible approaches these things. It's very, very clear. There's no mistakes. There's no ambiguity. It is extremely clear, in my opinion. These things are relatively plain. They are not always spelled out in great detail, but they are left to discover. (laughs) Discover. I think that when God made the earth and he sat back and gave it to Adam and Eve, that one of the things that he wanted to watch was he wanted to watch man discover. You know, it was It was a long time after that before God ever gave them the law. And it was probably four, five, four thousand, two hundred years before anybody actually assembled and developed anything that we would recognize today as Bible. What God wanted people to do was discover him. Discover his realities, discover his laws, discover the way that he made the universe, discover all the beautiful things that he had built into the universe that we live in. I'll just give you one example. You can't really go anywhere in scripture that I know of to find anything about gravity. But we understand the law of gravity because somebody discovered the immutability of it and wrote it down. The same thing is true with, with Einstein's theory of relativity. It was there from the beginning of time, but Einstein discovered it as a law or theory and wrote it down. The laws of thermodynamics were, <laughs> when they're, 
They're discovered. If you pick up your cell phone, that cell phone is full of electronic laws that someone discovered, wrote it down. Someone else discovered more and refined it and wrote it down. Somebody else discovered more. And that's what God wanted is light for us to discover what he made. Discovery is a huge thing to God. When things are discovered in the spiritual realm, they can only be discovered by spirit. The element of revelation is a function of the spirit. It is not a function of the mind. It is not a function of the body. It is a function of the spirit. And God wants to give us revelation through our spirit continuously. Not only that, he wants us to be able to be excited about what we learn. You see, not only is he going to show you things by revelation in your spirit, but he is also going to show you things through other people around you. People get together at church. Paul said in Corinthians, people get together. Every one of you has a revelation, has a tongue, has a doctrine, has a song. Everybody comes with something that they got by revelation in their spirit, and they want to share it with others. So whether somebody's rich or poor, tall or short or fat or skinny or male or female or educated or uneducated, Everyone can hear in their spirit. I have gotten profound revelations from God himself through individuals who could not read. It's not about an educated or uneducated mind. It is about a spirit that lies in in a prostrate position before the living God and listens to his heart. And here's things from God, and, and it's God wants us to wake up every day, I believe, excited about it and saying, what will I discover today? What will I learn in my spirit today? What will I learn through others? In Ephesians 1.17, Paul said that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and and revelation in the knowledge of him. You see, God wants us to have that spirit that brings discovery and revelation inside of us. You are made body, soul, and spirit. You may say to me, I only feel like one. I understand that. You're supposed to feel like one. But there are different elements and there are different functions going on inside of you all the time. And the word of God will divide them for you if you let it. We're going to do another segment on body, soul, and spirit later and look at a whole bunch of the scriptures where Jesus talked about it and where Paul talked about it. Some of the other New Testament writers where they separated between body and soul and spirit and where they made it actually very clear. But I want you to think about a couple of things in asking God for revelation in your own life, what elements inside of you are soul? What parts of you are actually part of your soul? And where would you go to show that or prove it? 
How are you reflected in tabernacle? How is your soul reflected in the tabernacle? Grab your Bible. Go back and look at the the uh, tabernacle pattern, the, the pattern that God gave Moses in the mount, and the way he built that tabernacle. Go back and look at that thing, and look at what is in the holy place. There are three things that are in the holy place. That holy place represents your soul. Start looking at that and praying and saying, God, show me revelation about what that means about my soul. Think about the curtain. There's a curtain between the soul and spirit. It was a very, very heavy curtain. Later on in the temple, the same thing occurred. A huge curtain was put between the holy place and the holy of holies. That curtain split from the top to the bottom. The curtain was not rent by man. It did not rend from the bottom to the top. It specifically says in Scripture it was rent from the top to the bottom when Jesus died. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, he gave up the ghost, and the curtain in the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. What does that mean? What does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? What does it mean today about our spirit and our soul and body? And how is that different from the Old Testament? I invite you to send in your questions or your uh, comments or whatever. If you want to, you can, you can uh, send them in here. I would love to hear them, and we will do another segment on this later. In the meantime, may God give you a spirit of revelation in the knowledge of him. Thank you for listening to As We Live. To submit questions, visit us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at As We Live Podcast. Mm-hmm.